your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Three and two the count on Bryce Matthews. Two outs in the inning. Zach Thompson's pitch. Drill to left field. Tucker Flint going back, looking up, and it is gone. Grand slam. And a baby Bryce Matthews just whacked one off the tree in left center there. Worth four runs. And an exclamation point for the Big Red here in the eighth inning. They've scored a touchdown and a PAT here in the eighth inning. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome to another week of Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good weekend. What is what's it? Snow on April the 19th? Are you kidding me? Goodness gracious. I did see people saying, though, you know, you got Elite Eight volleyball going on, snow coming down. Maybe you need to go buy some Christmas presents today. Maybe we're back into December. Well, the Husker season ends today. Texas beats them 3-1. to one, And Texas, this quite honestly, was the better team today. I, I thought Nebraska showed some nice fight, Ben, in the second set. But, boy, they just got sideways in the third. And you just kind of felt it coming. And the Longhorns make their way into the the final four with a win today. What you? What was your takeaway of that match this afternoon? Yeah, first and foremost, um, you, you just got to give a big kudos to Coach Cook and the team for everything that they've gone through this year to even be in this situation. I mean, it's been such a trying year for not just Nebraska, but but for every team. And you've got teams playing now in the tournament uh, that they haven't that you know played played back in the fall and played some matches in the spring. It's just been a really crazy year. So. Uh, just kudos to the team for for all their dedication on and off the floor you know getting tested and going through protocols and you know having matches canceled at the 11th hour and sitting around and just not an ideal situation at all this year which is unfortunate but glad they got the opportunity to compete and you know just today I I think you kind of said it best I think it was Texas's day you know their serve was really good Nebraska had a hard time passing um, you know, Texas had a couple of hitters that, you know, just couldn't frankly be stopped. And that was unfortunate to see, um, you know, running into a, a buzzsaw. You never like losing the Longhorns and anything, but um, ending your season makes it a little tougher pill to swallow. And of course, you know, Lauren Stiverin's just warrioring it out, you know, doing everything she can um, to play through an injury. And clearly it was severe enough to keep her out of the match yesterday. Um, and so, you know, you athletes just laying their bodies on the line. Just unfortunately today, ball bounced on uh, the Huskers' net too, side of the net too many times, and Texas made too many plays. You said it. They, they fought well in the second set there, and even in the fourth set, you know, they, they got off to a good start, and you thought, okay, uh, this is the Huskers' set, and then Texas goes on a, on a five-point run, and Nebraska calls both their timeouts, and you just – you didn't – you got the sense that this one was slipping away, and that's that's exactly what happened. You thought Stiverance came in in the fourth set and provided Nebraska a nice spark, but you know ultimately, you know as Coach Cook always says, serving and passing wins matches, and that's what won Texas the match today. Yeah, it, it, Lauren was just a, a shell of herself. You could tell she wasn't moving nearly as good as she normally does, and just credit the heck out of her the toughness she showed to get herself out there to play in this match. I, you know, th- this team. Uh, this this team had a, a heck of a year, and you're right. It's just been such a strange year. I, part of me feels like, I, my guess is, obviously they're upset that they didn't win today. 
But I think they're ready to turn the page like we all are to just get back to being normal next fall and get back to a normal season and normal camp, letting fans back in the Devaney Center to watch them, get kind of into a non-conference where you're playing non-conferences matches, where you're developing your team as the season goes along, where you couldn't really do that this year. And, and, you know, this team only got to play 16 regular season matches, and so I'm not sure they were really totally ready for the NCAA tournament because they had the cancellations with Penn State and Wisconsin and then Northwestern that way back in, in late January that, that didn't get played. So they just didn't have a lot of chance to really develop the team like I know Coach Cook likes to do. So while this hurts and you're sad and you didn't get to the Final Four in Omaha, which that would have been a blast and was so good to see fans in the stands today, I do feel like in a day or two they're going to be going, all right, now let's get it back to the way it ought to be develop our team, play non-conference matches, and and make a run at this thing next December because you know they're going to be there again next year. You know there's enough coming back, and all the questions will be which of these seniors come back. We'll find that out in the coming weeks about Sweet and Sun and Stiverns, and we'll find out what, what they do. But uh, you know there's enough parts, and there's a great incoming recruiting class that they're going to be really, really good again in the fall. Well, yeah, that that, and you've you've learned to just never doubt Coach Cook and his ability to, you know, not just develop players, but you know, to build team chemistry, build that team bond, and find find the way to um, approach each team. And that's you know, getting to know Coach Cook over the years. That's one thing that, and I've said on the show a lot that that I've come to really appreciate about him, and and it's it's worth repeating is, you know, you've got a guy that's won multiple national championships, two-time national coach of the year, it would be easy for him to just say, okay, well, I, I won the championship before by doing this, and so this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to be uh, – this, this is how we're going to do it. Um, he, he continues to adapt his coaching uh, methods and, and what he um, preaches and um, methods and all the – he continues to adapt, and that's what's most impressive to me about Coach Cook is – he doesn't just follow the same recipe that that's worked in the past. And I think that's why he's so successful year after year. And, and it's a reason why, why you should be optimistic every year, because even in years where Nebraska was supposed to be quote unquote rebuilding, they've made deep runs and, you know, really done damage to, to a lot of tournaments in the past. So yeah, I, I have, I have the utmost faith in him and, and you're absolutely right. It's really going to be interesting to see how this part plays out with who decides to come back and, you know, who decides to turn their attention to, to pro volleyball because let's be honest, just about everybody on this roster has an opportunity to make some money playing professionally if they want to. Yeah, absolutely. Great first set going on between Wisconsin and Florida right now, tied up at 24 late in that first set. We'll keep you posted on that quarterfinal match as the uh, the night goes on. Well, the Huskers open the gates on Saturday and let folks come in and watch a football practice. Among those was our Ben McLaughlin. What was set it up for us? What was that like on Saturday? Yeah, it was really cool. You know, I, I, I mean, I didn't know what to expect, but at the same time, I did know what to expect, uh, just because of you know I've seen seen practice before, so I kind of knew what the structure was going to look like and on the field what what we were going to see. Um, so, but but I will say, it felt really good walking into Memorial Stadium again. It's been a long time for me since I've been down there and you know just gotten to look at the field and see players on a field and moving around playing football. Uh, but then to see the fans in there made it even better. You know, it. I didn't want to take for granted the opportunity that I had and, and everybody else had to watch a, a football practice. But um, 
I know I, you know, to to see the fans and see how they kind of absorbed practice was really cool because that's an opportunity not a lot of people get, and, and so that was really neat. And I, and the coaches did play into it a little bit. They you know doing the Oklahoma drill right after your first period is is enough to get your blood pumping. I think the crowd probably appreciated that. Um, you know, doing the the five on five drills, the seven on seven drills is is something that always is uh, is enough to get people excited. So. I, I did enjoy that a lot, and it was great to finally see some of these players in pads for the first time, um, you know, see guys like Samari Toure and Thomas Fedoni and James Carney and Kolarevic and some of these other guys that we've been hearing about for a long time. To finally see them in pads was really cool. Uh, to see a guy like Will Nixon work out because it's another guy we've been hearing about but haven't had a, a ton, of, ton of opportunities to watch him move around and run routes and you know, I think the setup there was perfect. You had the media in one end zone. You had um, family, friends in another uh, on one sideline. And on the other sideline, you had all the fans. So in terms of the setup, I, I give a lot of credit to the athletic department and uh, uh, to the football staff for the way that they had that set up and organized. Well, a lot of attention on the wide receivers throughout the spring. What it, what what jumped out at you as you watched that group work on Saturday? And how how... I mean, was was there some? Usually, there's some John going on between the DBs and the wide receivers. Was that was that there? Was that present? You're right. There usually is quite a bit. I didn't notice a ton of it. Um, uh, more dancing from Cam Taylor Britt than jawing, I would say. But that I mean, you fully expect to see that. Um, look, I don't want to come on here and, and start, you know, piping up the hype train and you know saying after one practice that this guy is going to be a first round draft pick. But but it was clear, Greg, seeing Omar Manning out there working it is very clear that he is the best receiver nebraska has bar none i mean Mm. physically the size he possesses his ability to catch the ball in traffic multiple contested catches i mean how many times last football season did we talk about throwing the ball down the field and giving your your receivers a chance to go make plays i mean that's what they were doing they they were throwing it up and letting him go get it and he was coming down with them all so I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time on Omar because I don't want to get people excited. I think we just kind of need to take it day by day with him. But four thousand people or however many showed up to watch him, um, they're going to be telling everybody what they saw out of five. So I, I, I don't think me, what, what is it, me coming on the show tonight and, and saying good things about it, people are going to take that and run with it. I mean, I think everybody that follows the program saw it on Twitter or, or whatever else the praise for him. But he. He stood out, and it was impossible for him not to with the way that he practiced. But the the other receiver that really stuck out to me uh, was Oliver Martin, and he's quick. He's playing on the outside. He he runs great routes. He too was making some really contested catches. Um, you wouldn't expect a guy of his size to be physical, but I found him to be pretty physical against you know bigger corners, guys like Braxton Clark and uh, Quentin Newsom. I know he's not one of the bigger guys, but and then, you know, going up against the safeties, too, I was really impressed with Oliver Martin. And, and while we're on the subject of receivers, another guy that was just always open, and, and he's not big. I wouldn't say he's fast, um, but he, he was open basically every, every drill, and that was Will Nixon. And, and you've heard this coaching staff talk about Will before. You know, he had the, the knee injury when he got here, and that really slowed his progress. Um, you know, really terrific young man. And, you know, comes from a coaching background down in Texas. And you knew he was probably just salivating to get there on the field. But 
he was always open. I mean, I, if I had to throw a comparison out there, he almost like a Julian Edelman type, right? I mean, he's not big. He's not fast. He caught everything, was always where he needed to be and, and reliable for the quarterbacks to get him the ball. So those are probably the three that stuck out the most to me. Um, Xavier Betts, I, I know there's probably some people in Omaha wondering about him. He he clearly he practiced. He was out there, but um, he was dealing with something. I mean, he, he wasn't 100%. He wasn't doing every drill. Um, he was limping a little bit, but he'll, he'll be fine. I wouldn't say the injury is serious, but um, th- those are definitely the three that, that stuck out most to me in the in the passing periods of the seven-on-seven drills. All right, how about the guys wearing the green jerseys? What did you make <laughs> of the quarterback play? Well, the first guy I wanted to find, and it's not hard, as you mentioned, with the green jersey, is Adrian, just because we, we've been hearing a lot about his body shape. And it is clear he's he's slimmed down some. He He does look skinnier. Um, I wouldn't say it's dramatic. I wouldn't say you're going to look out there and you're going to be like, whoa, that guy, he, I mean, he looks way different. But he, he has worked on his body. That was pretty evident. And I thought he had a pretty good day throwing the football. And, and it's clear, not not like we I'm saying anything we don't know here, but by far he, he is the number one quarterback, and, and there's not really anybody particularly close to him. I think all of the other guys, uh, I'm talking about Matt Masker, I'm talking about, Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg, all those guys have deficiencies in their game somewhere, as you would expect. I don't think you, you know, you would, nobody should have showed up to practice and expect to see a finished product or somebody that was on the heels of Adrian. I I think that would be unrealistic. However, I think each of them kind of possessed uh, a little different skill set that was unique to watch. Heinrich can really spin it. I mean, he's got a good arm, he can throw it. I would say he's got. You know, the best arm out of any, anybody besides Adrian. I think he obviously needs to work on the accuracy. I'm sure the playbook comprehension needs work and all of that being so so young. But um, pretty impressed with his arm strength. You know, Logan, I think his mobility is always going to be his best asset. And, and Matt Masker at times, I thought, played pretty well. So, again, it's one practice. It was windy. There were fans there. There's a lot of variables that, that were in place on on Saturday that – you know, you're not just going to, um, you know, take the bait and say this guy's going to be the number one, this guy's going to be the number two. But um, let's just say I, I it's not see, hard to see where the coaches are coming from when they when they describe their quarterback play to us. It's pretty much what you would expect to see. And and, and it sounds like a lot of the running backs were that that room's been hit with some injuries. Bunch of guys standing around not not participating. Correct. Yeah, one of the guys I was I was most excited to watch work the offense was Gabe Irvin just because of the camp he's had he did not practice either did Ramir Johnson either did Sevian Morrison so it was a, a lot of Ronald Tompkins a lot of Marvin Scott and even Jacquez Yant uh, from the state of Florida from Tallahassee uh, got some run too he's a big dude I mean he is a load and he, he's wearing the number zero so he kind of sticks out like a sore thumb um, but I would say the guys like Ramir and Sevian and um Irvin, I did see Marquis step on the cart, as you would expect with the foot surgery. But, you know, those other guys were doing some light work on the side, some cone drills, some agility stuff. So uh, not serious, it would appear, for any of those guys. But they were pretty thin at, at tailback, I'll say that. 
All right, very good. Well, we do have a practice report coming your way tonight. We, Mike Dawson, Travis Fisher met with the media after the uh, practice today. There was no media availability after the Saturday practice session. Um, looked like everybody, I'm, I'm sure the players were jacked up, right? I mean, he, I, well, a little over 3,000 folks were in there, but just to have eyeballs on you, you know, that ratchets up the the emotional level of the guy. You're talking about Cam Tanner dancing. He probably does that at a normal practice anyway, but they had to be fired up to have some folks in there watching him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could. They were blaring the music. Players were getting into it, and you know, let's be honest. That 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 probably felt for the guys that that didn't play in the game last year. You know, the guys that were just on the sideline. Mm-hmm. It felt. It probably felt more like a game day atmosphere during that practice than it did for any one game last year, just because of the energy uh, in the stands. So it was cool. I'm really glad that they did it, and I'm, you know, for me selfishly to to watch. Um, the players, but for the fans, just just to get there and see a practice and form their own judgments, it's you know it's great that we get to come on here and give our observations. But I'm sure fans, you know that that got the opportunity to go want to use their own eyes and come up with their own conclusions. So that that was really cool, and I'm glad that they did it. All right, time to jump into tonight's practice report. Every practice, we're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it all season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. This practice report brought to you by JTEC Construction. JTEC Construction, it's the official exterior experts of the Huskers. Going to talk a little defense tonight, aren't we? Yeah, we will. As uh, meeting with members of the media today, Nebraska outside linebacker coach Mike Dawson and secondary coach Travis Fisher meeting with members of the media following the workout today. And we'll start first with the OLBs outside linebackers, Mike Dawson, what he hopes his guys take away from the spring. Yeah, what we're hoping to find is that how, what have we progressed, right? You have the first couple practices and you kind of have your first big scrimmage and then that's a bunch of great tape to watch. Uh, then you're kind of going, okay, I need to hit a little bit more of this technique or this fundamental or we got to put this scheme in. So you kind of added those. So now what you're trying to make sure is that you have a building block system, right? So, you know, we're kind of getting to the back end of the playbook with our install and situational stuff. And uh, you, you see those things starting to happen. But the key is, can you put that stuff in and not lose the first piece of the puzzle? A, if you're doing the ABCs, right? You always got to be, A's always got to be consistent. You get to B and then if you can't keep those building blocks you can never get to see so you're you got to try to make sure that you can you know get a good look at the stuff that's uh, you know like I said on the back end of the playbook but also are you carrying over your techniques and fundamentals good place to start I suppose right you gotta gotta lay that foundation and, and start those building blocks at a good spot because ultimately that's where where you're gonna um you know go back to when you're uh when you're in the thick of the season so um th- this won't surprise you Greg so they're doing the Oklahoma drill on Saturday and uh, for those that aren't quite familiar uh, what it is, you've basically got a running back, and then you've got three um, different layers of one-on-ones. So you've got a DB going against a DB, linebacker, linebacker, lineman, lineman. And defense is trying to tackle the ball carrier. Uh, offense is trying to block for him, make him score a touchdown. You'll, you'll be so shocked, I'm sure, to know that the first <laughs> defensive stop – came from Garrett Nelson of, of beating his man and tackling the guy out of bounds and, of course, got a nice round of applause from the, uh, from the crowd there. So Garrett Nelson, Coach Dawson, talked about his growth. 
Yeah, that's never a surprise with effort with Garrett. I mean, there's no one that gives more effort and is going to run and uh, fly around. Um, it is uh, for him, um, you know, honing in on being, you know, very fine with his detail. He's not a young guy anymore. He's got a, you know, in um, respect to the m most of the rest of the roster, he's one of the old guys now. So um, as far as experience goes and uh, things like that, so we need him to have that same effort and uh, be exact, which he's working towards and, and knowing and understanding. He's starting to kind of, now that he's moving past football one-on-one, he's kind of starting to get into some, uh, you know, graduate level classes as far as understanding where he's going and um, how to play the game. So uh, when a guy has that type of effort, it makes it much easier to coach the other stuff. You, you never want to have to coach a guy to run to the ball or give great effort. That's something that they should be able to do on their own. And he, he's a classic example. A guy does it every day. Wow, Professor Dawson giving his love. Yeah. Yeah, grading scale and all that. Garrett Nelson, love the guy. And, and that's con that's contagious. That attitude wears off. And those are the kind of guys Coach Frost has talked about that he keeps saying we need more guys that love football. There's no doubt Garrett Nelson loves football. There's nobody out there that loves it more. Just look at his uh, front teeth. Yeah. As, uh, he's missing, <laughs> missing a few chompers. Another guy that stuck out to me a little bit for his playmaking ability, and this won't shock you either because of the last name, Isaac Gifford, who was a late offer from the staff, of course, committed uh, with his brother Luke now playing for the Cowboys. But Coach Dawson gave his thoughts on Isaac Gifford. Yeah, Isaac's another guy that he's a sponge football-wise. Um, you know, one of the guys that kind of – he picks up football and just – you don't have to tell him a bunch of times with the reps. You know, he, he's a guy that can absorb it. He can watch somebody else do it and um, then get, get out there and have a chance to do a high football IQ guy. And he's another guy that you never have to coach on the effort. Um, you know, he's going to work hard at it. So as many guys like him in the situation where he may not have has has not banked as many reps. Uh, obviously, a guy like Jojo has a million reps in the bank. So uh, it, it's been good for him to be able to get out there and get a bunch of reps for sure. Isaac's one of those guys that can really benefit from some of these guys being out or not taking as many reps. I think he, he needs as many of them as he'll, he'll get. Um, and also working out at some nickel, too. So I think this is a guy that's going to find himself on the field at some point in his career. Yeah, absolutely. He's a little bit like JoJo in the fact that he's kind of a safety slash just a, kind of one of those monster guys that you can even slide him up near the line of scrimmage. He can go after the quarterback. I think he may be the next JoJo Doman, uh, that kind of player for this defense. Yeah, absolutely. Very well could be. Um, okay, let's uh, switch gears a little bit and just talk generality here. What Coach Dawson wants from the outside linebacker in terms of job responsibilities? Yeah, that position um, is, is kind of a hybrid position a little bit, and, and, and it kind of – you know, that outside linebacker DN, depending on whether you're in the four down system or the three down system, can mean a few different things. So um, there are guys that, um, and I'd say you guys have heard me say this a hundred times already, you know, uh, at this position, you could be doing a safety job on one play, you could be doing a D lineman job on the next play and a linebacker job in between or whatever. So, um, you know, those are guys that have those, uh, those skill sets in, in which, um, you know, we really like, you know, because you have to be able to walk out and play coverage on an open number two to the field uh, at that spot. But then at the you know, the next call, Chins may have them, what I call is on, where they're the rusher, and they're basically playing D-end. So um, there's a lot of crossover in that. And, um, you know, uh, uh, between myself, Coach Fisher, and Chins, all kind of getting our hands on them, I think that's something that's, uh, you know, those guys hear from a lot of different people, but I think that could be a good thing too. Greg, I think one of the uh, intriguing parts to this defense made maybe the play of the day, a back, a falling backwards one-handed interception, and it's a guy that you've kind of been high on, and that's Javen Wright. 
Um, just sh- completely had his athleticism on display. Again, slowed by a surgery. Coach Dawson talked about him. Can he be similar to a guy like JoJo Doman? Yeah, I think that Javen physically, you know, he's, you know, when you see him, Javen's a real big guy, you know, and um, I saw he became Twitter famous with the catch uh, that he had. I saw that popping up all over the place, which was awesome. And uh, he's got that great athleticism and he's super long and uh, he's another guy with a a very high football IQ. It doesn't take him a lot of reps to kind of go, okay, I got you, coach. I understand it. Uh, He can go out there. You know, he's not not that he doesn't make mistakes. He's going to make mistakes, but he'll correct his mistakes. And that's the big deal with him. So when you get a big, long body like that, who's also athletic, um, you get real excited about it. You, you just have to find a guy, a spot for that guy. You got to play him somewhere and he can do so. And I think they're just trying to figure out what's where he's the best at, but there's no doubt that kid has a lot of athletic ability. He looks different than a lot of other people out there. Right. And so when yeah. you have those kind of guys, you got to find him a spot. Well, it's not often that you can have a guy, his size, cover receiver 30 yards down the field, lay out diving backwards and make a one-handed pick. I'm like, that guy's a monster. Who is that? I'm like, that's Javen Wright. Holy smoke. He's already down there making a pick. That was unbelievable. Um, Speaking of uh, back end and defense, let's switch gears here quickly and talk about Travis Fisher, Nebraska's secondary coach. And right out of the chute, the cornerback two spot, who's performing well? Uh, Right now, Quentin Newsom is doing a very good job at that spot. Uh, Quentin, A lot of guys are doing a good job, but Quentin Newsom is doing a great job at that spot. The shoulder injury to Braxton Clark has opened the door for Q, yep. and he's rose to the challenge, and I think we like what we saw at him last year. I do. I do. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him, in, and I'm not surprised at all. He may end up being better than Braxton, but Braxton will get in the fight, I think, once he gets completely healthy. Absolutely. Okay, you talked about the wide receiver room with me, wanting to know what I see from the receivers. Probably nobody better outside of the receivers to ask than Travis Fisher. His guy's going up against the wide receivers every day in practice. Here's what he had to say about the improvement of the wideouts. Yeah, I, I really think uh, I really think Omar's doing a, great, a very good job uh, picking, up the, picking up some pace uh, the last few days. Just watch him on the back end on my side. But, you know, really be honest with you, the receiver group um, – um, not just taking away the steam from your question from Omar, but I think those receivers are, as a group are getting a lot better. Um, you watched it Saturday. You know, Omar made a bunch of plays Saturday, but that receiver group um, made some plays as well. Uh, so I think it's a lot of guys on the, on the offense side of the ball um, that are picking up some steam. And, give, and, then, and then my guys get a chance to uh, have that kind of competition. You know, guys like Omar, you know, every single play, it's a problem, all right? It's, it's, it's a problem. But guys get a chance to practice against someone like that every day, you know, get them ready to play against the big games. Okay, Greg, there's a reason why his name get, keeps getting brought up, Omar Manning. I mean, mm-hmm. again, long way to go, take it a day at a time. But like I told you on the phone leaving Lincoln, Nebraska is a different team with just him on the field, okay? Yeah. So we need to just store that in the memory bank and, and hopefully – the dominoes aligned and we can get to the point to where he's on the field helping this team on Saturdays. All right, let's finish with another intriguing name. And I, and I believe he was pretty high on my list when we did top 10 most intriguing guys in the spring. Noah Pola Gates, very highly rated recruit coming to Lincoln. This was one of the bigger gets on signing day or signing day, signing week, I should say. Coach Fisher has talked a little bit about Noah in the past here. He uh, shines some light on his improvement. Big time jump uh, right now. Uh, Noah is probably sitting right, right where Miles was at somewhere during the season last year. Uh, he's sitting right in that area, so he's doing a great job of also being like a, 
you know, if I have a one group, then I have like a 1.5 group or whatever you want to call that. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't want to put them in a two group, but definitely want to put them in, get them a lot of reps here. Um, this year is my focus to be able to get Noah going and get him a lot of reps. Right now he's taking a ton of reps in practice, not complaining, doing a great job on special teams as well. That's awesome to hear, Greg, that he yes. has the right attitude. And that's a crowded room, and you've got to earn your playing time. And that's a guy that wouldn't be shocking to come with some entitlement. But great to hear that comment from the coach there about his attitude and working hard because, again, this is another guy that could come in and make plays. He's a playmaker, almost like a Tyron Matthew type player, undersized but always around the ball. And he was making some plays on special teams, and he can make a big impact on this team by just doing that. But you also want to see him push for playing time in that secondary. And you're right, it's crowded with Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuke coming back. It is crowded back there, but you can make an impact on special teams, and I think Noah can at least do that for this team coming up in, uh, in, uh, the, in the fall. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Baseball Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Now comes that again, the 3-2 pitch. That's ripped to the second baseman and by him into strike center field. One run will score. Here comes Acker. He will score. Nebraska now takes a 6-2 lead on the hot shot off the bat of Kamchick that just ate up Gavin Homer, the second baseman. An in-depth look at the Nebraska baseball program. Here's the 3-2 pitch. Runners are off. Swing and a miss. A huge strikeout by Jake Ponce to get out of that one in the bottom of the seventh. With the head coach, Will Bolt. 1-0 pitch. Breaking ball. Ripped into right center field. That's a base hit. Check will score. Anderson being waved home. Roskam digging for third. The Huskers score two on the base hit. And now the ball gets away from Penn State in the infield. And Vanjoff races to second base. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Baseball Radio Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to the program. You want to be a part of it with a call or a text, the number 531-500-4686. We've got 60 minutes to talk Husker baseball. The first place Cornhuskers a half a game ahead of Michigan after sweeping Penn State over the weekend. And back from... uh, Central Pennsylvania is the head coach of the Huskers. Congratulations. I know that was your first trip back there. It was a good one. You took all three. Yeah. Glad to be on here tonight. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good trip. It was my first time ever to be uh, in State College, Pennsylvania. And uh, what a what a wonderful uh, travel it is to get yeah. over there with the flight to Denver and then a flight to uh, Pittsburgh and a three-hour drive. But, no, it's, it's a beautiful ballpark. The setting is amazing. I, I love the mountain uh, backdrop. Um, and, and Penn State, you know, they gave us all we could handle in the first game and came out uh, on top and then thought we played uh, really good baseball Saturday and then just good enough to win on Sunday. No home runs for either team. Is the ball the ball does not carry there? Or what Just what did you make of that? Usually that's pretty rare you go through a whole weekend and nobody hits one over the fence. Yeah, it's a pretty big ballpark. Um, you know, the wind was actually – it was carrying a little bit to just a straightaway center field, which is the biggest part of the yard. Um, it's 410 to deep left center, and it, it actually gets a little bit more shallow to just over 400 at dead, dead center field. But you got to really hit it to get it out of there. Um, and, and, you know, you can see why – Penn State lead had led the the conference in doubles going into it because outfielders uh, have to play deep. It's a big it's a big outfield. Um, 
the grass kind of grabs it at times so you can stretch some singles into doubles and um but yeah, it's uh, pretty rare to go a whole weekend in college baseball uh, yeah. without a home run. But but I'll, I'll say this: a lot of it had to do with the starting pitching and the pitching in general. I thought the three starters that Penn State threw out there, we knew it going into it. Uh, very veteran staff, uh, guys that had been around the block. I mean, all three starters were low to mid nineties with their fastball and good secondary offerings and. Um, you know, and obviously our starting pitching was very good. And just in general, our, our pitching was very good over the course of the weekend. So a bit of an odd weekend that way. But again, it's a good sign for us, uh, a team that has hit some home runs up to this point, that we were able to win some games uh, in, in other fashions. Just you're not you're not walking. And I hope I don't jinx this. Is you're just not walking many people. And you've got to like that from your pitching staff right now. Yeah, I mean, that's where it all starts. I mean, just eliminating the free bases. And, and up to this point, we've done a tremendous job defensively of eliminating the free bases via wild pitch, a pass ball, or, or error. Uh, and just, you know, the ones that don't show up as errors are maybe some ones where you miss the cutoff man. And, you know, the guy, the batter runner gets an extra base or they go first to third and you throw to the wrong base and that type of stuff. So we've been able to eliminate the free passes that way. Uh, and when you don't give free passes on the mound, you, you give yourself a great shot to eliminate the big inning. And, uh, you know, really the only time we've gotten ourselves in trouble on the mound is when we've probably thrown too many strikes and attacked a big part of the, you know, the plate. And we've talked about that before here on this show. But just uh, I felt like this weekend our, all of our pitchers just did a tremendous job of not only throwing strikes but quality strikes. You, you mentioned the long track, and it was a really long travel day for you on Thursday. You got up at the before the crack of dawn to get to the airport, and then, as you mentioned, long flights and a, a long bus ride. Were you concerned at all about a sluggish Friday game out of your guys? You know, not really. Um, just from what this team has showed us up to this point, um, the, the leadership that we have in this group, they love to play baseball. They love to be together. Um, I, you know, they knew going into it, it was going to be a rough travel day. Um, and, you know, said so again, just like this entire season, knowing that we weren't going to have non-conference games and we weren't going to play a full 56-game season. I mean, what we told our team and what we've talked about is we can have a, you know, kind of a sour attitude about it and, and let it affect us, or we can have a, choose to have a great attitude and just embrace it. And I thought our guys did that with the, with the road trip. Um, it wasn't easy. Uh, it was, like you said, an early morning, a, a long flight, uh, two flights, but with one really long flight and then a long bus ride. And the energy was great. And, uh, you know, I really just don't – the most comforting thing as a coach is to feel like your team is going to show up ready to compete on any given day regardless of the circumstances. So I, I just wasn't – honestly wasn't that concerned about it um i I just uh, i feel like we've got our our captains are just in such a good spot where they love to play and and they love to be around each other and and uh, we've created a bit of an atmosphere with a team where they just feel like they can go out and just let it rip and that's ultimately um, the reason that we've had a lot of success he's not a captain but he's your friday night starter how much does he kind of help set the tone for the weekend with how competitive he is yeah, there's no doubt about it, and there, there's a reason he's on Friday night. And it, it, uh, obviously, he's got great stuff, um, and he can mix four pitches on any given night. But yeah, it's just the competitive nature of Kate Povich and his ability to go out there. You know what you're going to get from him. You're going to get strikes. You're going to get a guy that's just going to go give it his, his best. And it just, it's uh, you're right. It sets that such a good competitive tone for the weekend for the team. 
Um, and a guy that's out there pitching um, on, on with good stuff, with, with competitive nature, but doing doing it with the team at the forefront. And that, that's just such a, a good start uh, for our team on, on Friday nights is to have that type of outing. The Nebraska Baseball Show brought to you in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit us at buyfordnow.com. Your, your Saturday starter, Chance Roach, has, it's been about a month since he really had a, a, a good solid start for you. He gave you one on Saturday, and it certainly helped when your offense put five on the board before he had to take the mound. But what did you see from Chance, and did you feel like you kind of got him back on beam? No doubt. And, and all you got to do is look in the box score on his outing. Um, and see that he had, I believe it was 12 ground ball outs. Uh, we turned two double plays behind him, which was obviously huge. Um, and, and you, you know, you could just see that the, the sink and the fa- on the fastball uh, when guys are fouling off the fastball and he's tunneling. When I say tunnel, um, basically what that means is when it comes out of the hand, you know, for 60 foot, six inches from, you know, when, well, I guess from the rubber to home plate is 60 foot, six inches. By the time you release the ball, it's shorter than that. But, you want your pitches to mimic each other and look as close like uh, each other for as long as possible. And when his sinker's not sinking, the slider doesn't really have a chance to tunnel and look like that sinker. So both pitches were down. Um, you know, he just got some weak early contact. And even the, the runs that they scored, they had a couple of infield hits in there. So you know he's going good when he's off the barrel and he's getting uh, some, some ground balls and we're playing good defense behind him. I thought he was great. 531-500-4686. The number to dot us up with a comment or question or fire off a text. Let's go to the phones. Drew in Plattsmouth is up first tonight. Good evening, Drew. Welcome to the baseball show. Hey, hey, hey Coach. I was just wondering, with no uh, you know midweek games going on, usually we'd get the opportunity to see some you know other guys get some playing time. I'm uh, just wondering if you, if there's any you know uh, underclassmen that come to mind that. In years past, we may have seen this year, may have gotten some opportunities at some at-bats or innings pitched in those midweek games that are unfortunately not, you know, getting any time this year just because we're just in the conference-only schedule. And how are you keeping the rest of the team engaged, um, those that aren't aren't playing and, and not getting those opportunities? So I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Drew, for the call. Um, that That's a great question. Uh, just – as far as trying to stay engaged, I mean, I, again, our, our upperclassmen do such a good job of making everybody feel like part of the team. And, and some of our captains are fifth-year seniors. And, you know, we've got a, a third-year junior in Schwellenbach and a, a fourth-year uh, – or I guess a third-year sophomore in Schwellenbach and a third-year junior in, in Hallmark. But they, they just do such a good job of including everybody, making everybody feel part of the team. I feel like our, our, our staff, coaches – between Coach Marcuso with the infielders, uh, Coach Christie with the pitchers and catchers, and Coach Harvell with the outfielders and the position players, just the hitters. I, I think they all just do such a good job of uh, keeping everybody engaged, feeling part of the team, uh, whether they're playing or not. Uh, and that, that was a big point of emphasis going into this season with, with so many unknowns, with you know testing for COVID three times a week and just some other stuff that – comes along with it. You just don't know what you're going to get. You don't know at any point in time whether, you know, your sixth outfielder may have a shot to get in there and play um, and your fourth catcher for that matter as well. So 
you know, just just you know, getting those guys the reps they need, the the attention they need, the coaching they need, and and just the teammates and the, the captains just doing such a good job of of keeping everybody uh, accountable to just working hard every day. Um, that has not been an issue at all, and, and you know, it is definitely some lost uh, development time without having the the midweek games and not having the two weeks of non-conference play that we missed uh, before the season started, where you just get get a chance to get some guys feet wet. You just never know how they're going to respond until the lights are actually on. And so, you know, we felt like we had a pretty good idea going into, into it and you just have to ride hot hands and you've got to, you know, you got to play the guys that you feel like are just absolutely going to give you the best shot to win. So it, it definitely makes for some, <clears throat> some tough times where we do scrimmage on Tuesdays, uh, three to four innings at times and get guys live outings and guys live at bats. And they know that that's their time to, uh, I guess, make an impression, not only on their teammates, but in, and their coaches and, and just get those at bats that they're missing on the weekends or the innings they are missing on the weekends. And um, it's not perfect. We knew it wasn't going to be going to the season, uh, but the guys have had a great attitude. And, um, you know, there's certainly some guys probably that would have, a lot more innings on the mound. Um, and we haven't seen Cody Frank throw in two weeks. And he's a huge part, you know, of our staff. And, you know, there's some young guys that are outfielders that are behind some fifth-year players that w- would certainly on a normal year have at-bats. And, um, you know, some of our lefties, uh, young lefties uh, that haven't got a ton of experience, they would probably be getting some more time too. So it's a lot to juggle. Uh, we've got some more four-game weekends coming up that's going to allow for some more of that. And, you know, we tell the guys too the pregame, the BP, the live at bat, or the, I'm sorry, the live uh, defense and the outfield and how you take ground balls. Those are all things that, that that's development there if you let it be. And, and our guys go about it uh, on game day um, in, in such a way that it is a development piece of it. So it's far from perfect, but um, we've got a lot of guys that are very invested in the team and they're very much uh, willing to do what it takes, whether they're playing or not. What are you hearing about summer balls, some of these summer collegiate leagues? Are they going to be a go, or have you gotten any indication yet? Yeah, I, there, every indication is that it's all going to be a go. I, I don't know that there's going to be any issues that way. Um, I, I, From everything we understand, it's just going to be a normal season. Um, and, uh, you know, that's going to be a big part of it with guys that don't have as many at-bats, as many innings, is just to get that summer experience to go out and, and get that – <laughs> that that experience where you can you get those at bats and those innings and go compete against college players and and grow and mature. So I'm I'm hoping it's going to be a full season. That's every indication we have. It will be that. On our text line, Coach Eric in Lincoln, how does it feel knowing you have Buns and Schwelly in the back end of that bullpen? Those guys lock it down and will be a really valuable asset come regional play. Yeah, th- those guys, uh, you know, Bunsey just having him be in that in that spot with the the bullpen. I mean, he's just been so outstanding of of attacking the zone. The fastball plays up. Um, I mean, usually in his short stints out of the pen, he's ninety ninety four with the fastball. The slider's good. Throws strikes. He he brings attitude. The team believes that you know when he's in the game, things good things are going to happen and. What can you say about Schwellenbach? I mean, he's just – we had the luxury of not having used him on Friday and Saturday this weekend uh, and allowed us to go to him in the eighth inning um, on on Sunday, which we've done that before even when we've used him on on Friday. But he was really fresh, and goodness, I mean, it was a – 
a 20-pitch, two-inning outing where he's throwing fastball change slider, and that's just unheard of for a college closer. Um, and the fastball is 95-97. Uh, he threw 17 out of his 20 pitches were strikes. And, and that's the key. And that's the key for back into the bullpen, guys. You want the stuff, but you also want guys that are going to pound the zone with stuff. And, and those two guys have really shortened games for us and, and given us a chance to uh, – to feel really good about our chances at the back end of games. I'm going to ask you a question you probably get asked by scouts. What's he like to coach? Spencer? Yep. He's been a treat. He's been absolutely um, just – I cannot tell you how proud Husker fans would be to know that, you know, one of their best players and probably our best professional prospect is just so immersed in in team play and and Nebraska in general and just – you know, as a captain, what he's brought to this team and, and just how we can lean on him in so many different ways and him mentoring at times three different freshman infielders at, at one time on the dirt with him and uh, just taking the ball each time he's asked to do it and doing it um, with, I mean, just great competitive spirit. Um, I mean, he's just been a blast to, to see him grow and mature just over the last year that we've been here. I mean, he's always been a great player. He's always been a, a, a team player and a guy that's very competitive, but just to see him evolve into what you've seen from him this year, it's been really cool. And, and it's a credit to him and his parents and how he's raised. And just, he's obviously got the God given ability to go out there and perform at a high level with b- both sides of the ball. But um, it's just, uh, he's been a joy to coach and, and uh, he's obviously been, when when he gets the ball at the end of games, everybody's heart starts to beat a little bit slower because you, you feel very confident in how he's going to go uh, perform at the end of the game. Back to our text line, Jerry in Rockport, Missouri. Coach, when we have a four-game series, will Buns be plugged back in as a starter or will somebody like a Kyle Perry be ready to take that starting spot? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we, we've we've kind of kicked that one around a little bit, um, as I alluded to earlier. Having buns in the bullpen has been a luxury where you can you feel like you can shorten the game uh, at least a couple of times on the weekend, probably typically going to be on Friday and Sunday. Uh, we like to have that security blanket there, so to speak, with him in the bullpen. Not to say that he, he's not going to start, uh, but you do have uh, a guy like Cody Frank who, again, we haven't seen the last two weekends that can be stretched out and get you through the lineup uh, hopefully a couple of times. And, um, there's some other guys in there too that just haven't gotten a ton of, of looks just because we haven't had the midweeks and um, you know some other things to look at non-conference wise that they can you know turn the lineup over as well. So we'll take a look at that as we get a little bit closer. I don't believe that KP will be in a spot to necessarily be able to stretch it out a ton. Now, could we potentially by the time we play some four-game weekends? Here in uh, three or four weeks, could he potentially be stretched out enough to turn over the lineup one time and almost be an opener p- potentially? Um, so we'll, we'll we'll look at all those things. But uh, you know, in a perfect scenario, I think Buns is just so valuable out of the pen that you know we try to maybe look at some other options as a starter at this point. That's gonna put a wrap on tonight's show. 
Always love Mondays. Always great having Will Bolt with us to talk about this Husker baseball team. Man, is this exciting. Huskers at 18-6. and six. We're now in the second half of the season playing some great baseball. They'll be at Michigan State coming up this weekend. Also, uh, tomorrow night, we'll hear from Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal star. We'll talk spring football with him. And it's Tuesday. That means Top 10 Tuesday is coming your way tomorrow night. We'll have some fun with that. Thanks to Ben, to Austin, to Mick, and to all of you for being a part of the program. Thanks. Have a great night. Do it again tomorrow.